Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. The one parent who in the entire Olympics is allowed to watch his child compete was deported. (laughs) Pete Thamel. Do they hire from the Kansas Compliance Department at the Taco Bell in Nashville? Is that that where they they recruit from? And SI's Pat Forty. And to Pete's point, yeah, less miles solution. Well, we're just going to go do Oklahoma drill till somebody just gets over it. I mean, what the <laughs> hell? Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Uh, welcome to the pod. I'm just going to continue our pre-pod discussion. If you want to know how this uh, podcast gets made, you want to know the, the intricate <laughs> planning session that goes into this, the five minutes prior to this <laughs> pod hitting tape was spent on Pat and I discussing ways to get alcohol <laughs> in Japan. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with college football. <laughs> no, but has a lot to a do lot. with quality of life. Yes. So here's my thought. Pat, you, you obviously through Brooke know a lot of Stanford people, right? If yes. someone can invent the Japanese drizzly, ever know what drizzly <laughs> is? Yes. Pat knows what it is because we send him alcohol on it and then I buy alcohol for other people on the podcast on it and Pat doesn't pay me back because he doesn't have Venmo. <laughs> so Drizzly is a Drizzly is an online app where you can send people alcohol. That has to exist in Tokyo. And if it doesn't, somebody could make a lot of money just off YouTube, well, quite frankly. I am, I am putting this out right now. If you know a, a, a Tokyo resident and I'm probably a Japanese citizen, it would require. I don't know. Pat and I are going to the Olympics, as are many American sports writers and broadcasters. <laughs> we are not allowed outside our hotel. We And we are strictly banned from talking to Japanese people, <laughs> which they're claiming is to prohibit COVID spread. But it's just, to me, a freedom. They just don't want us talking to these guys going, this sucks. The government sucks, right? That's all that is. Anyway. We're like high school kids outside the 7-Eleven right now. <laughs> yes, we We're waiting We're not for somebody to roll up so we can hit up and say, can you please get us a six-pack? I swear, we're just going to drink it down the basement of my friend's house. We, we don't have cars. We're not going to drink and drive. Nope. We're clearly old enough. <laughs> we need somebody in Japan to become our guy who goes will buy us some booze. Be the high school hero. I don't, if anyone listening has got that friend. Yeah. If you set up a very small under the table, all secrets, 
We keep anonymous sources really well. We do. We never burn a source. Yep. I don't, we'll call them like, I don't know, deep chug, right? <laughs> deep sip. I don't know. If you want to make a couple bucks in central Tokyo over the next few weeks, be the alcohol delivery person. So this is just sent out into the, I know, I doubt we have a lot of college football podcast listeners amongst the Japanese citizenry, but you know, don't the, underestimate the reach of this thing. Yep. With our Could vast a, global reach, I think we got a shot at this. We got a great message from Lieutenant Colonel PJ Kendall, who is uh oh yeah, deployed for the last six months over in Germany, away from his wife and family. He sent us a very nice note about how the ridiculous comedy of this podcast uh, keeps him through, got him through that uh, what he called deployment slog. Uh, thank you for your service and your listenership. Awesome. Really, PJ's awesome. all right. So who knew? We did. I wasn't thinking we had a lot of listeners in uh, Germany. In Germany, but you know, so uh, there we are. So the Clarion call has been sent. <laughs> <laughs> Major concerns. The bat signal is out. We need your help. Bottle of vodka here or there, whatever. <laughs> Saki, we're not that picky. Saki, some cold ones. Yeah, rubbing alcohol. I mean, whatever it takes. <laughs> Cold hard yen in cash. I can I can see like the security video outside. Dan like with his UMass football hat on, like pulled down over his pulled down over his over his eyebrows, rips off some yen, hands it hands it over. Would you pay in cryptocurrency? If, if I, I had any, to. I would. If I have to see. That's why. I, again, I will pay cold hard yen because you know I don't have any Venmo or any of that action. So you know. <laughs> Big 12 media days. Big 12 Later media this week, days. July 14th and 15th. Dallas, right? I assume it's in Dallas. Is it Frisco? The, Is it at the Star? They're at the Star. I went yeah. two years ago. Oh, uh, years ago. I went the yeah, first year like it was there. Yeah. They're at the, it's a pretty cool setup. It's a pretty yes. cool setup. It it's really neat, actually is. Yeah. Neat area. Everything's uh, everything's right there. So Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, right. it was a great idea to move that there and, and like it actually give it a little splash, but also a real football flavor and the facility works. It's actually good. And, you know, yeah. I mean, generally speaking, the media, we can complain about anything at media days, mm. but that one yeah. I actually like. Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star wrote a, a rather amazing story, reported a story about Kansas. I got to say, when I thought we were going to do Big 12 uh, talk today, I did not expect a lot of Kansas talk. <laughs> But since we are all about scandal <laughs> and controversy and uh, secret documents and payouts, uh, we're going to start there and then we'll get to uh, the actual football. But uh, this was in the Kansas City Star. Caperton Humphrey, who was a one-time walk-on who turned out to be a scholarship fullback for Kansas. He hails from West Virginia under Les Miles' reign. He basically got into a dispute with some teammates. Defensive lineman is all that's really said. You got to kind of read the whole story, but there's numerous um, confrontations, including the guys kind of coming into his, his, his apartment and basically threatening him. According to Humphrey, uh, there's uh, some lug nuts on his car that may or may not have been loosened, uh, which is ridiculous. There was uh, a lot of like less miles saying, we'll resolve this in practice. Like, just like beating the hell out of each other in practice. Like, okay, that's great. And then finally, uh, 
Capert and left KU and uh, he, he signed a deal with the KU athletic department that agreed to pay him more than $50,000 in benefits to go home and not talk about it, which he then talked about. <laughs> yeah. which is, <laughs> You know, that involves like their compliance director. Now, all of us have, if you, if you cover college athletics, uh, you know, the Kansas compliance department pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> the scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz is that the Kansas? No, no, that would actually be too disruptive. <laughs> We're not looking to talk about your Kansas compliance. You just keep coming up. You do. You have a you have a knack. I have heard of a lot of scandals. <laughs> I have covered a lot of scandals. Mm. I've never heard of the secret payment scandal to go away and don't tell on the the defensive line. Of a horrible football team. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't like we're protecting the 2019 Clemson defensive line here. <laughs> I mean, they paid to ship his stuff home and gave his parents mileage to come pick him up and back from West Virginia. Crazy story. I don't even know how to get into all the details. Pete, your thoughts on, on this thing? I guess my overarching thought is like this could only happen at a place whose coach is embroiled in a significant federal investigation or periphery of a federal investigation and NCAA issues and decides to give him a lifetime contract. Like that is the culture of uh, the, the kind of place where this happens. And so nothing at Kansas could possibly surprise us anymore. I mean, if you go all the way back, I mean, they had a huge ticket scandal. I mean, they, Kansas has just Kansas has like sneaky Auburn vibes. Like they really, <laughs> really have significant decades long just flouting of NCA rules. And uh, part of it might just be the, the the school's image where they don't get lumped with uh, with others. But boy, this is really bad. And I, I guess shame on Jeff Long, right? Like any just pinch of a dream Jeff Long had to returning to college athletics in, in, in any capacity should be completely grounded. And it should have been grounded with the Les Miles hire, which I call the column like the single worst college football coaching hire of this generation. And it really just, this just reaffirms that. Um, I, I just like, where are the adults? That That's really my, my, my question. It's like, where are the adults? Like, I mean, we all knew Les Miles was out of it and he should have never returned to be a division one head coach, but my God, like just, you want to talk about like a sleep at the wheel, just unknowing, just like he was like a cartoon character inserted in a head coach's office and any difficult or hard decision Les Miles had to make, he completely bungled. Like what a, just what a, what a disaster when, it, when I read this. Like I, I think some of it is like Kansas got what they deserved for institutionally making this hire. If Caperton left Lawrence, okay, now he had, he's in a fight with four guys. He could take KU online classes in West Virginia. And if his, he and his family agreed not to talk about his experience with the football team, he would continue to get paid his tuition and monthly stipend money from spring 2019 through the expected graduation date of May 2020. It's unbelievable. They're paying him hush money. Yes. He doesn't yeah. get the stipend because he's not on the football team. Right. <laughs> and you wonder, I mean, this is the this is the athletic department itself is paying a kid yeah. to not play. No wonder many people in the athletic department pay kids to play. <laughs> you think <laughs> that's like to me that's where this thing like 
really kind of like goes to the next level. It says, Dan said first, this is a pretty extraordinary scandal because this is a within the team feud that they cannot resolve. And so the, the solution becomes for the compliance director, the guy that's in charge of making sure people follow the rules, comes up with a plan for a hush money payoff so the guy will go away who's being bullied. I mean, it's like, what? And to Pete's point, yeah, Les Miles' solution, well, we're just going to go do Oklahoma drill till somebody just gets over it. I mean, what the hell? And this yes. is, again, the school that has just been absolutely dragged through nine layers of deserved mud over the, the SDNY scandal and the investigation into the football program that the school basically ginned up so that they could get away with not paying David Beatty the severance mm. pay for getting rid of him. It's like they just keep one-upping themselves. It's amazing. Who do you think laughed harder at the story, David Beatty and his lawyers or T.J. Gasnola and his lawyers? <laughs> <laughs> all of them. Just, all the above. Yeah, yeah, fair. I just when you do these stories about Kansas, they act like so aghast at the concept yeah. that like like, you know, we would never, ever let T.J. Gasnola know who we're recruiting. What he said under oath is totally. Really? How about <laughs> your compliance directors paying a kid to go away because your yeah. head coach can't stop a, a fight on the team? Yeah. I don't know who's <laughs> right or wrong about the fight on the team. Fights on teams happen. Yeah. Every team. Yes. What the, like, of course you guys do this stuff. Yeah. They're going mean, to sue that, Jim Gatto for an extra million. I think yeah. that'll be their solution. <laughs> probably, <laughs> yeah, this is probably the Gatto money. Yeah. Yeah. Sue <laughs> Jim Gatto. <laughs> The poor guys got nothing. They I'd created like, a slush to... fund out of the Jim Gatto suit, just like the NCAA's uh, UTEP night at the Slippery Noodle. <laughs> Jim, pretty much it. But we had we had debts to like all the other. How many other ones of these deals? Yeah, right. This place I... is so ethnically and common sense bankrupt. Like, come <laughs> on, people. I would. I feel what? compelled after reading that, like, to go back and find all the emails from their PR via Doug Gerard, the, the president, you know, where Kansas is completely committed to integrity and intercollege athletics and da 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 da. I'm just like, okay, yeah, let's 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 go back and review the actions behind your words there, bro. Just incredible. Ticket ticket stories at the final four. Yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. It's everything. just like, well, I mean, you wonder why I, I I'm I'm cynical. Like, <laughs> holy cow. I <laughs> Nobody, and this is the, I mean, this is a former walk-on fullback. I mean, this is nobody. This yeah. is how crazy this place is. It's a nobody on a nobody team. It's Kansas football. <laughs> and it's still become a scandal. It's like, what? There's a part of the story where Caperton Humphrey, and I don't want to pick on him because he's a better football player than I ever was, but he was like, he played at Eastern Kentucky, and he's like, I want to see if I can make it in the big time. Hey, I'll give Kansas a shot, right? I'm like, yeah, right? <laughs> And he actually makes it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd take Eastern Kentucky and lay the two and a half uh, on a neutral field against Kansas. Jeez. What an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah. Spare your, your condescending emails and comments to me, uh, Kansas Athletic <laughs> Department, at least for a little while. <laughs> or pay me off like you paid this dude. Jim Gatto. Give Jim Gatto his money back. You guys are awful. A bunch of awful people. You'll pay, you'll pay Caperton Humphrey, but you'll take it from Gatto, who got you 12 big 12 titles in a row. 
<laughs> I think my favorite thing about Kansas basketball is just this concept that, of course, the best talent in America from all the cities, starting all the way back uh, to uh, Will uh, Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain just uh, said, I don't like living in on the East Coast or L.A. or whatever. I just am dying to go out here to this wheat field town. Like, come on, just admit what you are. It's all right. Paul Pierce from L.A., oh, Andrew yeah. Wiggins from Toronto. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Hey, have you been to Allen Fieldhouse? It's a cathedral, okay? Okay? <laughs> That's good enough. <laughs> nice gym. Yeah. Nice gym. Uh, all right, well. We're not going to hear much else about Kansas football. That concludes the Kansas football talk this season. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it probably won't. <laughs> Back to the rest um, of the Big 12. All right. So Big 12 Media Day. What would you like to know from Big 12 Media Day? I'd like to know why Spencer Rattler isn't going, for one thing. This is where this is where college coaches just kill me. You know, like Spencer Rattler, who they are promoting as a Heisman candidate, you know, one of the top talents in the country, but he is not going to big 12 media day because you know we got to send you know a, probably some senior lineman or something so i'd like to know that by that that's like that 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 surprised me with lincoln riley yeah right like, he's usually lincoln Riley's not that. jim trestle i mean right what? also going to media day now there are some direct links to name image and likeness stuff right yes. like raising canes wants spencer rattler at media day Sure. I'll be curious, and I'm hijacking the conversation here as I sometimes do, so I apologize in advance. How much are athletes going to take advantage of the exposure of Media Day to try to leverage name, image, and likeness? Like, is that something that we foresee happening in the next couple of weeks? Oh, I think it's entirely possible. Sure. Don't you? I mean, I think that and they, they should, they, by the way. Yeah. Like, they should. They've yeah. earned this spot. So perhaps, uh, and, and I don't know why Lincoln Riley isn't bringing Spencer Rattler. Perhaps he doesn't want to go. Perhaps there's a veteran player in the program that's earned it. Perhaps Spencer Rattler said, you know what, let uh, – do you know who's going, Pat? For you know what, I, I have it called up here, and there is a pop-up over the top of who Oklahoma is bringing that I cannot remove, so it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's phenomenal. Just I've Venmo got, the pop-up at a, 10 bucks, yeah, and it'll remove it. <laughs> friggin' unbelievable. I probably have it somewhere. I have it somewhere in my <laughs> Keep, keep talking, Pete Alpha. So it's it, it, it'll be interesting to see if, like, these players who for decades and decades were brought to Media Day to be propped up and say nice things start to all of a sudden use the opportunities presented by hundreds of assembled media coming to talk to them to tr try to promote their own brands, things. Do leagues not allow that to happen? Like, we're sort of entering, like, a interesting new world here and the big 12 is going to be the uh you know the the experiment if you will like does Brees hall i assume Brees hall and brock purdy are going right uh jeremiah hall is going from uh oklahoma as the offensive representative he is a redshirt senior tight end h back i can tell you that so yeah well congratulations I mean, we have a lot of to jeremiah yeah, iowa state to is sending Brees hall and, and greg eisworth oh, okay yeah, Eisworth is uh, their best defensive player. He's actually from that uh, that Dallas uh, Dallas area. Yeah, like like can Brees Hall start just talking about Ames tap water and say, hey, they, we got some great tap up in Ames, you know? Like, um, right? Yeah, I think I think it's, it's like an, it, yeah the NBA podium where they all bring their different <laughs> drinks up there. Yeah, 
right? One guy's got Powerade, next guy's got Gatorade, right? No, I, I think that's going to be a, a real uh, situation for them to try to uh, to navigate because uh, there's gonna, no doubt about it that the companies that are endorsing uh, those players are going to say, hey, yeah, anything you can do to get us out there, you know? Or NASCAR. Post race NASCAR, yeah, right? Sure. Hey, the Ford Ford five hundred uh, racing cane. Uh, yeah, <laughs> did, did a great is, job today. This is what I'm curious about at media. So we are right now in this era of name, image, and likeness. Pay everybody. Everything's great, right? It's just this like somebody's gonna have to step in and be the bad guy at some point and be like, you can't do that. You can't. You can't bring your Coke can to the press conferences. We're a Pepsi school. You can't wear that Adidas shirt because, like, like the bad guys, the boogeymen are going to come. And here's my question: Who is going to be the first boogeyman who just gets pummeled on social media for trying to, like, in, in earnestly, right? Because everybody has bosses. Nobody wants to stop players from making money. But like, there is going to be some sort of guardrail put up at some point, and there is going to be someone who is stopped from doing something. And that person is just going to get pummeled and shamed on social media to no end. And I'm very curious who that is and when that happens. And will it happen to someone in the Big 12? Would it, will it be, you know, Bob Berta or someone who has to shut down Brees Hall from, uh, you know, promoting Ames tap water? Or where where do we, you know, where do we go? That that will happen, and it will happen soon, and it will be very interesting. We've, we've talked a little bit on the pod about kids you can't wear in a commercial like a Longhorn logo if you go to Texas or uh, Oklahoma. Like, who, Is the school really going to send a cease and desist order to uh, Spencer Rattler? Like, there, there are these very interesting lines that are going to be crossed very soon. All right, well, I want to know if Oklahoma is scared about Iowa State. It's a good question. I mean, that's to me, it looks like a very top-heavy conference. Uh you know, uh, I mean, I think it's those two well ahead of everyone else. If you want to go by Phil Steele, I, I do. I, I have a long-standing public love affair with the Phil Steele magazine. Uh, it's just a gross bromance. It is. It is. But it's like both those teams dominate the. Those two teams dominate the Phil Steele preseason All Big Twelve teams. They got a ton of people on offense and defense, especially offense for both of them. Uh, they've got the top two quarterbacks. And I think it drops off pretty significantly after them. Uh, if you want to go further into the Phil Steele weeds, he's got the position, the unit rankings, and he ranks uh, Oklahoma well ahead of, of Iowa State, I would say, in most places. Certainly more so on defense. The defensive side looks to be where Iowa State needs a little bit of uh, work. Defensive line, they're fifth in the league. Defensive backs, eighth in the league. Oklahoma is first or second at every position group other than special teams. So to, to me, this this is the year of can Alex Grinch bring Oklahoma's defense past <sighs> bad to decent to <laughs> right. To, right? They've been bad. There's no other way to say it. They were horrible. Grinch has gotten them to poor. Can they be <laughs> adequate? Right? Can yeah. they just be adequate? Now, again, g going opposite Lincoln Riley, you are not going to uh, have any sort of resurrection of the 85 Bears. But – Recruiting-wise, players back, defensive backs, like this is a better Oklahoma roster. This is the most promising Oklahoma defensive roster post-Stoops, I would say. And so can that defensive medal just show some resistance? Like they don't have to be like, you know, early 2000s Alabama. Can they show some resistance in a high leverage game? I think that's what we want to answer from uh, Oklahoma. And also – They've been out-toughed. Iowa State has just out-toughed them at times. Yeah. And 
can, can, is there now in that program an edge? Is there like a real legit edge on that side of the ball? And I think that's one thing I, uh, I want to see. And my other Big 12 question is, at what point do we start looking at Gary Patterson and saying, okay, boy, they're in a tailspin. It's hard, right? Like there is no TCU in the Big 12 without Gary Patterson. There's a statue and a stadium. And I mean, few coaches in the country currently, maybe none, have meant as much to their current program as Gary Patterson has TCU. But when do you when does he start to see diminishing returns? When do they start to see diminishing returns? And when is there like a little bit of chatter about a transition happening there? Because it just hasn't gone well for for TCU. And in, in in is this the team? Uh, Phil Steele has him tied for third in his forecast. But I've always said TCU is like the single hardest program to predict preseason. The academies. TCU, like, you know, you can pick them low and they're high, you can pick them high and they're low. Like, they are always very hard to uh, to predict and project. But, yeah. Tough. I- Tough. <laughs> Fire a Gary Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> they went six and four last year. He's going to hitch up his khakis and come after you, Pete. That's that's okay. That's okay. I want to know, what does Gary Patterson have against collared shirts? <laughs> Why won't you wear a collared shirt? I want that question answered, and I want somebody somebody at Big 12 Media Day, please ask the Iowa State kids about the water. <laughs> you will get a shout-out on this podcast if you ask about the Ames water. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Any reporter. Is there a young, industrious reporter that wants a little little, little shine on, uh, on our podcast? You'll get it. We're planning I, I mean, that. TCU is – it's tricky. I always look at the Big 12. I – it's not quite top. The Kansas is horrible, right? And Baylor hasn't been great since Matt Rule left. But man, the rest of that league, it is a chum. It is it is a churn in the middle. I mean, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas should be better. Okay, then you got Oklahoma State, West Virginia, TCU. Be, well, not no, they maybe not this year, but in yeah, general, eventually, sure. Okay, so in general, you would you you are ranking this league out. Okay, you got you got Oklahoma and Texas are are the two. They're the show ponies, right? Yep. And then you've got, uh, let's say, Baylor and Kansas at the bottom. Baylor obviously has been great, but it, it it isn't right now. That middle could go in any direction, pretty much. Yep. Uh, you know, Iowa State's better right now. Um, Texas Tech's a little bit down, but man, you got to go if you want to go play Texas Tech. You got to go to Texas Tech. Not easy. West Virginia, you never know. And very hard. TCU, Kansas State. Uh, Oklahoma State, like it's this mix where, man, I, I, I'm going to say Texas Tech is the least likely to come in third, but man, anybody else in that group comes in third. What if Phil still? He probably tied them all for third. That would be the smart way to predict this thing. <laughs> Phil <laughs> Phil likes his ties in his standings. There's no doubt about it. He's got a three way tie for seventh in the Big Twelve. So I feel like two teams a season go red hot into Lubbock or Morgantown, two very difficult places to play, and their dreams just die there. Like like some hot 4-0 start, and then it's just gone. Saturday um, night in Lubbock, it's like the wind's blowing 100 miles an yeah. hour. It's 108 <laughs> degrees out, and and, <laughs> and it has done, done happen for you. Yeah. I agree with everything you guys are saying. Pete, for me, the T- my TCU is Oklahoma State, where every year I think they're going to like crack the top 10 or challenge for the title or whatever. They end up having problems, you know, like last year, Chuba Hubbard was an issue and he didn't play well and this and that. I thought they were going to be really good. They ended up being okay. 
so I have no idea what to think of Oklahoma State year to year. But generally speaking, they're going to be in the upper half of the league. Uh, Texas is, of course, always interesting because they're Texas and they have been through this constant, you know, search for relevance. Uh, and, you know, for like two or three games a year, it looks like they have it and then they screw it up usually in spectacular fashion, and that's why they have a new coach. Uh, but Sarkeesian obviously has brought a ton of buzz. Uh, they should be very, at least, adventurous on offense. We'll see if they're actually really good, but they're going to be fast and they're going to be throwing it around. Uh, I don't know whether the, the overall talent level is good enough, though. So I think it's, it is Oklahoma and, all, and Iowa State, and then there's a drop-off. And it's just is to Dan's point. I do think that it is largely an indistinguishable model year to year. Uh, it's it's fascinating. I'm excited to see Bijan Robinson this year. I think the the one of the fatal flaws of the Tom Herman era was they did not let him rip sooner last year. He is obviously the number one uh, running back recruit in the country from two recruiting classes ago. I believe he's from Tucson, Arizona, and he is dripping with talent. He's a matchup nightmare. He's that toy that Sark had. Now, Sark had four of those toys to play with on offense and to get mismatches. Um, the job Sark did getting mismatches in that national t- national title game against uh, Ohio State and Kerry Combs was just masterful. It was a clinic. I don't see a whole lot of talent at wide receiver at Texas. I certainly don't see a whole lot of production. I'm sure those guys had big stars by their names, but I, I really feel like Offensive line and wide receiver are deficiencies in that program right now, and those are difficult things to overcome. Hudson Card, I think, eventually will be a big-time starting quarterback, but he's new. Casey Thompson uh, really showed some promise. I mean, he was he was lights out in the in the bowl game for for Texas. They they do have a decent room there, but I feel like defensively they've just been pretty pedestrian, and I don't I don't see that changing at all. Um, just going going down looking at uh, looking at who they come back. I think Alfred Collins, who's in his second year on the D line, is like a three and done first round pick kind of guy. And uh, I see a lot of dudes who like like BJ Foster, who came in with big names and have just kind of underachieved. So can the culture change? Can the narrative change on that on that side of the ball? Uh, Sark, I think defensive staff wise shot for the moon and just ended up with good coaches, but not great coaches. I don't think there's there's anyone who's going to roll out of bed in the Big 12 fearing Texas defensive staff. Yeah, but look, Texas being overrated is like part of the, you know, it's part of the annual uh, the annual allure of college football, right? Imagine if Texas was picked like eighth, what would happen? <laughs> yeah, right. This, despite that, I still say, and I, I, I maintain this is something to keep our eyes on, big picture, not, you know, how they're going to do this year and everything, but Texas and Oklahoma remain so much more marketable and valuable than everything else in that conference. And if you remember, not long ago, they kind of surreptitiously went to the the conference, went to the network partners and said, hey, you want to go early on a renegotiation? And they're like, "Mm, no, Uh, which kind of was a blow, I think, to the Big 12's marketability and what it maybe is going to be able to draw. And it does bring into question the old issue Going back uh, 10 years or more, how much do Texas and Oklahoma need the rest of the league? And do they possibly get the wandering eye again? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's certainly out there on the horizon as long as there's some uncertainty about the league uh, broadcast deal. I think realignment-wise, the the most interesting thing as we enter this new paradigm is – the notion of like the Big 12 going to pick up Cincinnati or UCF, 
because cable boxes, inventory, I, that stuff's gone, man. That stuff's gone and it's not coming back. The, the more likely realignment ripple we're going to see is Texas and Oklahoma saying, can we go be independent and go roll in, in football? And it, and it goes with, with another narrative that I think we're going to see throughout this upcoming season, and that's can college football break away? Um, from that, we, we started to see some of the embers of that with the dissatisfaction of the NCAA and just the outright hatred of Mark Emmert. I mean, he is the most hated leader in sports. The ADs don't like him. The presidents don't like him. Nobody likes him. Of course, they just gave him a promotion. So that that, that fundamental tension of schools and athletic departments just being sick of the NCAA is going to be more likely to cause a shift than, you know, the Big Ten going to pick up Rutgers in Maryland like they did a couple of years ago to get cable boxes on 95. And could Texas go strike a deal with Amazon? Could Oklahoma go strike a deal with Amazon? But Oklahoma's dominated that league. But are they a better brand than Texas? Well, no, Texas is a bigger state. I mean, Texas is still Texas. I, I agree with that. I mean, I've said all along when they, when they started expanding these leagues, particularly the Big Ten, when they were like, well, we need cable boxes. Well, what happens when basic cable's done? Yeah which is happening really quickly. Then you sit there and go, well, I don't need that state anymore. And I, I agree with you. You sit back and go, what am I doing? Why am I sharing? I, I think we're a long way away from that. The Texas over-under on wins right now is eight. You know, here's the thing. It was Sark. We will see right away. If, if Sark has a big impact, it's going to be a great year. But they start with Louisiana. We have the Raging Cajuns on the opener. Yep. 20, and, and top 25 it, caliber team. Brutal start, and mm -hmm. then they go to Arkansas. Yep. And the fight in Sam Pittman's, who knows? And so, you know, if he's got it, if, if there is an immediate impact, and these guys are 2 and 0, oh, and they got Rice and Texas, like they could go into the uh, Red River, you know, 5 and 0 oh, and in the top 10. Don't just hand but, him that TCU game. Boy, that's his I mean, Gary that's, Patterson. There's no reason into this one. No dipping yeah. your toe into this one. So it's going to be very. Very interesting to watch Texas at the beginning of the season. Texas is back. We could get that narrative very quickly, or we could uh, we could uh, we could crush it very quickly. That's I, right. I, I like that. That's a hell of a game for those two Louisiana Raging Cajuns and Arkansas. Like, there's practically nothing those two schools would like to do more than beat Texas. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess UL would like to beat LSU more, but Arkansas that's all, they always obsess about Texas. Oh yeah, going back seventy years. So right. And Louisiana, just like all those Sun Belt teams and MAC teams, have like 36 returning starters, right? Like, I feel like every team outside the Power Five brings everyone who's ever started the past decade back. All right, let's do quickly the bet MGM over-unders on each team, over-under wins. Kansas is uh, a solid one and a half. <laughs> they get South Dakota right off the bat. I think they were a one earlier. Didn't we do this earlier? They were yeah. a one. Now they're up to one and a half. So if they beat South Dakota, they beat anyone else. They got Coastal Carolina and Duke both on the road in the non-con. I'm going under. Uh, one and a half, I'm going under. Yeah, I think that's a one-win team. Even with Lance Leipold, who I think we all agree is a really good, really so They will be instantly better at just a lot of the fundamentals of football uh, than they have been. It doesn't matter, though. They have terrible talent. Uh, there is a complete loser mentality in the program, and I think that they will be fortunate to win one game. I think I picked Kansas to go zero earlier this yeah. year. 
who did this. Look, when you're paying guys who don't play for you <laughs> instead of recruits to come, the program sucks. <laughs> Doing it wrong. All right, Pete, I'll give you this one. Texas Tech, four and a half. Uh, their schedule, I'll give you their non-con is uh, FIU. Oh, Stephen F. Austin and Houston. I'm sorry. They were behind the thing. Uh, yeah, they open with uh, Houston and Houston, and then uh, they get Stephen F. and FIU. Mm, man, that's tough. Because they're going to beat Kansas, and they're going to beat somebody else in the league. So you get... <sighs> I get you four. You know, I'm going to take the over. Tyler Shaw's their quarterback, the Oregon transfer now. What Matt Wells has done offensively in the past has taken a few years to build up their sort of a tempo air raid situation. And I think that considering how dreadful Houston's been, and they have been dreadful. Now, they're supposed to be better. They have two All-American corners. Stephen F. Austin's not great. FIU's not great. And then just the rest of the flotsam and jetsam in the Big 12, you have at Kansas when Kansas State comes to your place. You also get to host uh, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. You go to Baylor. I think you can. I think you can scrape five out of that. All right, Pat Baylor five and a half. Non-con is at Texas State. That's a classic. San Marcos is rocking. Uh, Texas Southern and BYU coming to Waco. Yeah, I, you know I think the. Uh... The build is going to rebuild is going to be pretty slow and laborious. They they were definitely they, last year was kind of that low ebb where, you know they they were replacing a lot of people, including their coach Aranda's learning on the job as a first year head coach. Offensively, I think they were pretty dreadful. Uh, I expect them to be improved. You said the numbers four and a half, five and a half, five and a half. Oh, I don't know about that. They could start three and zero, oh, but. Can you eke two more wins out of this thing? I'm not sure. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to say they max out at five and seven. Uh, Pete, Kansas State, uh, five and a half. They get this great game where everyone's already complaining. Uh, they're playing Stanford in Arlington <laughs> at the AT&T Stadium with an 11 a.m. kick. That ought to attract about 6,000 people. I guess maybe a bunch of K-State fans will come. Um 11 a.m. kick at, at Jerry World for K-State and Stanford. Uh, but then they get Southern Illinois, and they play Nevada, both in Manhattan. I'm going to take the under. I think Nevada beats them in Manhattan. I'm, I'm, I'm heavy on the Nevada train uh, this year. They're, they're one of those quintessential mid-majors that brings, uh, brings everybody back. Uh, God bless Skylar Thompson in his 11th year of eligibility. I think he succeeded Michael Bishop as uh, Kansas State's quarterback. But I, uh, I, I don't feel like K-State is, uh, is quite there yet, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. All right, Pat, West Virginia, six and a half. The non-conference is at Maryland. They get the LIU Sharks. What is that? <laughs> I'm glad you supplied the nickname because I didn't know it. I didn't know LIU played football. So Which, What is LIU, Long Island? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> LIU Brooklyn? I guess. Wait, LIU what? somebody. A shark swims in Brooklyn. <laughs> what the? I gotta look this up. <laughs> LIU. Uh, you talk it up. <laughs> they also play Virginia Tech uh, in Morgantown. Uh, this is the craziest not gone by in a while. I'm looking this up. You tell me how good West Virginia is going to be. Yeah. You know what? I mean, 
The non-con is difficult. I mean, at Maryland, they're, they are not great, but they have talent. They have recruited well. Virginia Tech, not easy. So six and a half sounds like a lot, but I think West Virginia is going to be pretty good. I think they're going to improve in a lot of areas. Uh, I look at them and see if they can run the daggone ball. So far under Neil Brown, they have not really been able to do that, and I know he's a spread it and throw it guy, but you got to be able to run it some. Letty Brown is a really good back, uh, and I think if they can kind of ride him, they've also they got you know returning quarterback, they've got some receivers. Uh, I think they've got a chance to rise up and be that third best or fourth best team in the league. So I'm going to say, let's say they go two and one non-con, Oklahoma two and two, three and two, four and two. I'm going to give them five and two, five and three, six and three. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're going over. I'm going over with the Mountaineers. All right. The Long Island, uh, the, it's not the Long Island Brooklyn campus. Okay. It's in Brookville. I was like, they play football at this school, which is also called Long Island Post. Uh, I'm confused mm. at the entire situation. They're called the Sharks. <laughs> Let's see how they did last year. They didn't used to be CW Post, did they? Maybe. They went 10-1 and one a couple of years ago. They play in the Northeast 10. They were 2-2 two and two, two and two last year. They, <laughs> okay. They, yeah, they, they, they beat that LIU Post they used to be CW Post. And Duquesne. Okay. They play at Beth Page Federal Credit Union, 6,000 um. capacity. Uh, they just expanded it, 6,000. <laughs> what the hell it was before? Yeah. So they, uh, they're, and, uh, they're playing at Miami, Ohio this year. They also play at Toledo in 2022 and at Ohio in 2023. Hey, here's your, here's your fact on LIU Post, okay? The campus is named after breakfast cereal inventor Charles William Post. Uh, Post cereals? American. How about that? Yeah. Great American. Yeah. If you're following the All-American and we're coming up on the season finale next Monday, which I'm going to miss because I'm on a plane with Pat Forty. <laughs> <laughs> Though not too close to him. State title game between Beverly and South Crenshaw. Spoilers. Mm. Spencer James, our favorite wide receiver, who was once recruited by... Chip Kelly, now his only scholarship offer is at Toledo State. This is what it's called, Toledo State, <laughs> which doesn't exist, yeah. except as a penitentiary, perhaps. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's very confusing. Why, why not just use Toledo? I don't understand any of it. Anyway, we're going to see where Spence, Spencer has not made his college decision yet, but that currently has one scholarship offer from Toledo State. It just sounds awful. Anyway, uh, I don't know where we are, but the LIU Sharks, they UMass needs to schedule these guys. They do. Give them a chance see, to UMass win. Announced, UMass announced they can have full capacity at McGuirk <laughs> Alumni Stadium. <laughs> you can. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's precious. Sure. It's very cute. Very cute. Yeah. Social yeah. distancing, never a problem. I, I think BC actually goes to UMass this year. So UMass oh. used to play at the Patriot Stadium in Foxborough, yeah. which is nowhere near UMass. You'd be insane to drive from Amherst to Foxborough to watch a college football game. Um, but yes, I believe uh, the Boston College Eagles will be going to McGurk Alumni Stadium oh, uh, early sell in September. Out then they will sell that one out, I bet. Uh, all right. Uh, Oklahoma State is next. Uh, we'll go to Pete. Seven and a half for the, for the Pokes. 
The non-con is Missouri State, Tulsa, and at Boise. So Spencer Sanders is is back as their as their quarterback. He's kind of a, a dual threat guy, more of a more of a runner than a uh, more of a runner than a passer. Chuba Hubbard's gone. Tylen Wallace is gone. The the defense is sort of the pedestrian defense that we've come to expect from uh, fr- from Oklahoma State. I just with two gimmies in the non-con. Tulsa lost both of its excellent corners who gave Oklahoma State fits last year in that uh, in that early season game to uh, to the portal to Missouri. Yeah, but I don't think Bobby Petrino's pulling the upset. I look forward to the Missouri State Oklahoma State opener because we can have a robust pod conversation that week about which coach Pat has written meaner columns about <laughs> Bobby Petrino or Mike Gundy. We can, have, we can have like a pretty good face off. For, uh, for for which one? Close call. Yes, yes. That's that is that is neck and neck. It's hard to pick against Gundy with the middle of the Big Twelve looking kind of pedestrian. So I think they win at Boise. Yeah, and they they could really start five and zero. Oh. That's within reach if they're decent, and they're usually a little better than we think. They're a team that is better with less expectations with big expectations. They tend to crumble. So I'm going to go with the, uh, I'm going to go with the pokes taking the over. All right. TCU is seven and a half. They play the Duquesne Dukes. Uh, they host Cal and they host SMU in the iron skillet. One of the great trophies because you can also cook breakfast with it. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't love a good breakfast skillet? Yeah, um, I think I'm going to share Pete's general pessimism on the program arc for the Horned Frogs. I mean, I'll I'll tell you this. If this year, if they don't bounce back and be really competitive, then, yeah, it's time to be concerned because they've got almost everybody back who matters. They lose a couple of big guys on defense, but everybody on offense is back eight guys on defense, and they open with four straight home games. Duquesne, Cal, SMU, as you said, and then Texas. Now, SMU, I think, is going to be very good again. I think SMU is a program that's really on the rise. Uh, Texas, we'll see. But I I just, even with that four-game home game start, I think that uh, I'm looking at the under. What What's the number again? Seven, Seven and a half. half. Okay, yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely on the under there. I think that they are, at best, a 7-5 and five team. SMU TCU is interesting if I can interject quickly because you've got one on the on the trajectory up. They're the hot school. They're crushing in recruiting. They've got a great young staff, and then you've got TCU, which I believe has gone seven and six, five and seven, six and four the last three years, and the buzz is gone. Max Duggan's back at quarterback. He's good. But they really haven't had answers there uh, in in a few years. They've shuffled some offensive staff around. Gary Patterson starting to enter Mark D'Antonio territory. That's what I think we have to we have to ask going into this season. Just Pat, rough. Uh, Pat agrees with me, Dan. Just rough. <laughs> I do right. agree. I we agree. Just, the magic already, is gone unless we're proved I'm here otherwise. for you, Gary. I'm still defending you, Gary. Yeah. Imagine All if right. they start one and three. Now, Gary's magic the last few years is he's beaten Texas very consistently. I think they've beaten him five of six. I'm making this up. But they, they, he beat he beat Tom Herman and he beat Charlie Strong. And that's a big reason why both those guys still aren't in Austin. Correct. So if a very good Cal team, a very good SMU team, and a very good you – no, know, and a not as good Texas team come to Fort Worth – in that first month and two days of the season. If they end up one and three, oh, that's a five-alarm fire now. 
Um, I think they'll probably end up two and two. And I'm giving them the Duquesne game with all uh, with all apologies to our friends in Pittsburgh. They've done. He's done more for TCU and the mock turtleneck than anyone. And I'm just <laughs> not going to turn my back on him. <laughs> the weird workout mock turtleneck. It is. Yeah. No. There's there's. Lots of problems with that, actually. TC, uh, we already did Texas. Uh, Iowa State, the fighting water plant, uh, <laughs> nine and a half. They get Northern Iowa. They get Iowa. They're at UNLV. Does Vegas have enough bush light for that trip? <laughs> if Iowa State beats Iowa and they're all fired up and they head to Vegas, oh, boy. Nine and a half, you're basically betting they're going to lose Iowa, Oklahoma, and then, you know, they run the table otherwise. Uh, this is obviously regular season wins. You're not getting that conference championship game. So how could I turn our backs on yeah. our guys from Ames? I mean, how could I do it? How could I just be even me? The King Grinch of pessimism could not pick Iowa State to take the over. It's a it's a sucker bet. They're trying to lure you They're trying to lure you with that bad century of football that preceded last season. It's not going to work. I am not falling into your trap of negativity. I am uh, I am on the Matt Campbell bandwagon. I'm on the Brock Purdy bandwagon. Um, yes, in the good name of Sage Rosenfels, I could not not take Iowa State in the over. Got to take the over, and then the best business in the world to own is, so they got Iowa on the 11th of September, and then at UNLV on the 18th, alcohol rehab facility of Ames. <laughs> On the nineteenth, get your order. Get book your spot now. Schedule really sets up nice for them too. By the way, like uh, Pete may be the King Grinch, but not to anybody that comes from the Toledo family tree. He loves his Matt Campbell. He loves his Jason Candle. I knew he was taking the over with the clones there, despite the fact that they have started the season very poorly the last three years. They got to show poorly. me something right out of the gate. They got to beat Northern Iowa and Iowa. Well, if they do. It's it sets up perfect for him. I mean, that it is. If they beat Iowa, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them Northern Iowa. If they beat if they beat Iowa, it's uh, you know they go to Manhattan on October 16th undefeated, and uh, they're they're kind of rolling uh, they're they're rolling from there. So no, and you know the schedule sets up at Oklahoma obviously is a swing game November 20th. They're not afraid to go to Norman. That's that's yeah. the thing about those. Like, they're that yes. So uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I could not. I could not dump some warm bush light on uh, on uh, on our Ames fantasy. Oklahoma's eleven wins. The non-conference is at Tulane. They get Western Carolina, and then they're playing Nebraska. Yeah, the numbers so basically. Will they lose a game? And I would take the over because you can. You get a. It's like a free bet. They got to lose two games. Right. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna. Uh, do, do they go ten and two? Is the only way to lose. So I would take the over. But Pat. Your thoughts? Oh, I'm with you. Give me the over. That's a 12 and 0 season. I mean, the non-conference is a layup. There is one interesting thing about the opener at Tulane. How hard will Lincoln Riley try to make sure that they have a sideline or visitor ticket for one Arch Manning in his hometown to come see the Sooners and check out practice the walkthrough on Friday and then watch the Sooners in action on that Saturday? I don't so. believe that's permissible. Yeah, well, hey, remember, we are the Arch Manning Podcast, so keep your eye on that one. The Nebraska game, they, they will obliterate Nebraska in the 50th anniversary of the game of the century, and Oklahoma's whining because the game's going to be played early. It should be played early. It's not going to be a good game. Nebraska's not good enough. 
Sorry, it isn't. The funny thing now, at Kansas State, October 2nd, they've lost to Kansas State two years in a row. Kansas State has owned the Sooners. So until you know they can beat Kansas State, we can't really t- take them seriously as a national title contender. But they will beat Kansas State. Uh, and so you roll through that. You roll through Red River. It's downhill towards that November 20th showdown in Norman against Iowa State. That will decide the Big 12 regular season, which really won't matter much because then they're going to play again in the conference championship and see who goes to the playoff. My quick add here is that the Nebraska game, which has all this great history and all this great tradition, becomes the $25 million question. Do they depant Scott Frost so badly and boldly that Nebraska and whoever their new AD is, and I do think they're going to end up with some sort of internal muddle. They've taken their big swings at AD candidates and missed, and it looks like now it's going to be a Trev Alberts, the volleyball coach, an interim. Yes, Pat, you could see the video of what Pat is doing right now. Nebraska's well, doubling down on Nebraska. They said, you yeah. know what? It can't get any worse. You know, We've lost our 401k playing three-card Monty. <laughs> Let's just go play blackjack. Um, so Bill Moose gave what could possibly be the single worst contract extension in the history of college football to Scott Frost. The single most short-sighted, there was no market for Scott Frost, none. And he was extended out, fully guaranteed his deal at $5 million a year. Scott Frost, his contract runs through 2026. Unbelievable. if there's a new athletic director there, Seemingly now it's going to be someone from the Nebraska family, unless there's a big surprise uh, or they just back up the brink truck for a power five guy. They've had a lot of people say no. And so does Oklahoma put Nebraska in a tailspin where they I do believe that would be the record. I do believe they would pass Auburn for the single most expensive buyout in coaching history. That is a pod storyline worth watching. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's the kind of thing we aspire to here. Yes. Uh, that's always smart. <laughs> All right. That concludes our Big 12. Well, we're going to do SEC next time. So keep listening. Right. Yeah. I think. I think they're the next up. Uh, I like this. I like this yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, all right. On to more important news. Chicken Wars have a new front. Uh-oh. New front has opened. Uh, looks like we're going to have a chicken nugget war. Oh, what? You know what? Inevitable spillover. Inevitable. <laughs> it's like- Not only that, uh, Popeye's. This is like when the North Koreans march around (laughs) or the the Chinese send another ship into like the South China Sea to like war game. Uh, This according to uh, Popeye's is stockpiling poultry. Popeye's is stockpiling. I don't know. Undisclosed. Undisclosed location in Arkansas. Probably Ames. (laughs) Probably Ames. Popeyes is stockpiling poultry as it prepares to launch a new nugget. Wow. At the time of an industry-wide chicken shortage, Restaurant Brands International has been building its frozen chicken inventory for six months. Company wants to be confident it has sufficient supplies when all the nuggets roll out nationwide July 27th. How are we just finding out about this? Where are our chicken sources? The stockpiling, a departure from industry-typical lean inventory strategy, underscores the measure companies are taking to ensure a steady supply amid rising demand uh, for this. Let's see. Demand is very high, said uh, somebody at their company. (laughs) We're planning appropriately. 
Uh, this is because remember they they put the sandwich out and everyone liked it and then they ran out of sandwich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So we could we could have a run on nuggets by uh, by kickoff. Wow. All right. And then finally, how to appreciate this? Although uh, the authorities had to get involved, uh, a Taco Bell employee was arrested Monday in Nashville. She and uh, one and her coworkers set off fireworks inside the Taco Bell. <laughs> 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 the pro- what a great okay. idea it was the incident occurred july 5th in nashville um the problem was they set off the things just to see what it would look like when fireworks go off inside a taco bell <laughs> but they accidentally locked themselves out <laughs> and the building caught fire <laughs> <laughs> now they didn't admit it but then the surveillance uh, footage showed uh they disclaimed it was a fire uh they uh they locked the doors to the dining room to keep customers from entering the business then they ran around inside the store with the fireworks uh then they all went into the men's bathroom employees are seen using their cell phones to record the trash can from outside the restaurant but then they realized they locked themselves out of the restaurant. They tried unsuccessfully to get back in, and then they had to call 911. <laughs> Do they hire from the Kansas Compliance Department at the Taco <laughs> Bell in Nashville? Is that is that where they is that where they, where they recruit from? <laughs> I got a feel for these guys. It's like they're making tacos on July 4th, July 5th weekend. Like, go to a cookout. Really? You gotta have your Mexi melt right now. <laughs> So for a little bit of fun, they set off some fireworks in a garbage can and it just all breaks bad. You know, it is hard to find good fast food help these days. And uh, I'm afraid Taco Bell is struggling as much or more than anybody. Clearly, that's a bad man. Just be like, oh, boy, I just quit. I mean, you got to quit. Oh, you got to quit. Absolutely. You kidding me? When the call comes to the manager for that, uh, yeah, your store is on fire and the employees are locked out. Yeah, the employees started the fire by setting off fireworks in the store. 25-year-old Courtney Mays was taken into custody Monday. Felony aggravated arson. Ouch. That's That's got to carry some stuff. Anyway, uh, if you if you were at the Nashville Taco Bell and your, uh, your uh, chalupa had a little <laughs> extra smoky flavor... <laughs> You know why. Because meat has a little smokiness to it. All right, we'll be back late this week uh, before Pat and I uh, leave. And, of course, we're going to be doing this pod from Japan. God knows. We'll, uh, We'll be back later this week. Talk to you then.